one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. Hello, this week's Dumpty Dum is from Stephen, and we'll be saying something about Dumpty Dums a bit later on. This is Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that is centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I am the dissatisfied plod who is known as Stephen Bowden, and I'm here today with the very dodgy water feature who is... Jacqueline Berthaud in Sanguine, France. And we are, of course, joined by some of Spiritual Home's most valued clients come to celebrate the solstice... And that's you, our lovely caller innerers, email innerers, and WhatsApp innerers. For this episode, we have a slightly more select number of calls than last week. We hear from Jen, our Ambridge Pony Club, who is extremely, extremely irritated by Helen. Sarah, who is wondering about why Elizabeth is not talking about Lily. Martin, who has thoughts about Lee. 
Catherine, who is occupied about Grey Gables and has a wonderful prediction for Brian's love life. Jack and Dom, first time caller in us, hooray, calling in from Orkney. Travelling Richard, who sees Freddie as a stupidly snobbish ex-con. Definitely saying it as he sees it, without coming from Grimsby. And finally, Brian, who enjoyed hearing a few people being put in their place this week. Instead of a two-minute history, this week we're going to have something slightly different, but I hope still just as informative. And of course we have Tweet of the Week from Purple Pumpkin, our Theo, and making his debut, this week's social media roundup is from our Rob Williams. But first, let's have a look at the week in Ambridge from our Sui Queen or Tart. Hello, lovely people. It's Sui Queen or Tart on the Twitters and another week in Ambridge. It was a roller coaster ride this week at Bridge Farm. Tony and Pat were remarkably hypocritical, even for them, and gave Helen a very hard time for going to see Rob while saying effectively, boys will be boys, over Sausage Boy Tom and Lee the Karate Kid going over there and putting their oar in. Very, very, very shouty, angry Helen told them to keep themselves out of it and she's better off dealing with it on her own. Lee can't do his job anymore. He's on restricted duties after shoving Rob. Annoyingly, there's no news on whether no tuna baked titchener has a brain, a brain tumour or just concussion from banging his head on the ground. Lee sends Sykes a message to keep out of his exercises via Ben. I'm sure that will make all the difference. Tom told Tony about how bad he feels about involving Lee in the visit to Rob. Really? Astonishingly, he did not realise there might be repercussions. He clearly wasn't listening to all of us shouting at the radio. Henry earned £5 picking beetroot and frankly, at Bridge Farm, this was the highlight of the week for me. Helen agreed not to contact Rob again over a cheese bonding exercise. Shall we run a sweepstake on how long she can keep that up for? I ended up going on Friday to meet via a conference call with Rob's solicitors and Helen had the stroppiest strop and walked out without finding out about the community resolution. She clearly doesn't care a jot about Lee's job prospects and whether he can see his girls again. Helen is sounding crazy and playing directly into Rob's hands. The only thing that matters is Rob doesn't see Jack. Rob then turned the tables and offered to drop everything if Lee meets him face to face. Oh dear. Enough of Bridge Farm. A cage fight opportunity arose at home farm between Stella, who it was gently dropped into the narrative as seeing a woman, hurrah for an actual lesbian in the village, and Kate over the plan for a fire pit at the solstice. Stella was a tad assertive in protecting the crops from a wildfire and Kate did her own thing and lit it anyway. Adam hopes that Stella didn't feel that he didn't stand up for her when she was being fired by Brian. I think we can all say that he stitched her up like a kipper, frankly. (laughs) Adam released his worries by throwing them into the fire, in the fire pit that Kate had lit. Another superstrop, it's clearly been the week for them. Stella's job is now to do what's best for home farm, and from now on that's exactly what she's going to do. At least we got to hear Kate in the end. I was worried we were going to miss her dulcet tones and just have it repeated back to us. Harrison wanted to be a policeman and then didn't want to be a policeman and then did want to be a policeman. Uh, It was all settled over a beer, thank goodness. In the meantime, Linda caught Fallon in a weak moment and got her onto the fake committee, which she'd said she would never, ever do again. And she's there with our lovely joy. Eddie thrust his way on him then and has now turned the fate into Grundy's world of ferrets. Oh dear. Till next week then, we'll see what happens. 
So, how is your week in Ambridge or otherwise? Otherwise, the high point of the week was probably last Saturday, just after we recorded the last episode, when I went to the Three Counties show, which I try to get to each year. Sorry, the Royal Three Counties show, as it is these days, uh, to sit, look at unfeasibly large cows and ugly sheep. And Oh, I love an agricultural show. All that machinery. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't normally look at the machinery, but for reasons we'll find out later, I made some inquiries around a particular type of machinery uh, while I was there. And I also bought a supply of dry artisan perry from a producer who I know. Oh, so do you, how do you reconstitute that perry? Oh, you just drink it. A dry. I, I, oh, God, Steve, sorry. I can tell we're recording very early in the morning. I heard dried as in it was a perry that was dehydrated. <laughs> oh, dear. I'll just have another sip of my coffee and then I'll be fine. <laughs> how was your week anyway? Well, I loved I loved the week in Ambridge. Been dealing with other people's family members' health problems, otherwise, so it's been a great distraction. And I thought the writing this week was very, very good, and I was very pleased to see that it was one of my favourite writers, Tim Simpson. Timpson. Oh, I always get his name wrong. Stimpson. That's it. Tim Stimpson. This always seems like too many T's in his name. So I've really enjoyed, apart from the ferrets, everybody knows how I feel about ferrets. So, But I think it's a good wheeze on Eddie's part. And poor Clary sitting in this heat, knitting ferrets. Um, and I have to say that I always think of the fate committee as the worse than fate committee. That's probably because I'm involved in a, a worse than fate committee here. I imagine it as a committee of the, the fates, the characters from mythology. <laughs> Uh, the one who weaves the cloth, the one who measures it, and the one who snips it at the end. I'm not sure which of those roles Eddie would take on. Probably not the weaving. <laughs> no, probably just the snipping. <laughs> so, shall we get on to all those caller inners? Okay, let's start with this. Hello, Ambridge3962. And our first call is from Jen, Ambridge Pony Club. And we had a bit of noise issues with this and a couple of other calls. So if it sounds slightly odd, that's possibly because I've been a bit heavy-handed with the cleaning up. But I hope that this will work. Greetings, everyone in dum dum land. Um, Jen and the Chihuahuas calling in just to say that we are absolutely sick to death of Helen. We don't know if Rob spent the last six years in intense counselling in South Dakota. I seriously doubt it. But one thing we do know is that Helen hasn't had a jot of it. And Helen hasn't changed at all. Helen really did need help after what she's been through. I'm sure it was traumatic. And more importantly, Henry really needed help after what he was put through. But nobody ever got it because Helen knows better than anyone. Helen knows better than the police on how to deal with Rob. Helen knows better than Anna on how to deal with Rob. Helen is determined that only Helen can manage Rob. And so she goes and meets him in a cafe. Helen is an idiot. Helen and the control thing, we're seeing the eating disorder surfacing again. Helen really hasn't changed. Um, she only relies on herself, which is a shame because despite all the protests otherwise, she's not actually that strong anymore. And no wonder. So had she gone in there and ordered a nice tuna bake and traumatised Rob with that, maybe I'd have had some hope for some progression and character development. But sadly, same old Helen. Now, that call came in last Saturday, but sadly, after we'd recorded the episode. I don't think that Helen's performance on Friday, in particular, will have done much to change Jen's mind. She did exactly the same thing again, 
completely dominating things, not caring a jot for Lee and the fact that her brother's idiocy has possibly cost him his job and his chances of ever seeing his daughters. Yeah, I think it was very interesting. I don't think this week has improved, will have improved Jen's mood at all. It's not improved mine about Helen. And we've said before, you know, I feel sorry for her, but I think she's acting irrationally. Now, funnily enough, there was a very interesting thread on Facebook. Jonah Titchmarsh made a comment on Facebook about being a bit cheesed off with the story and very bored with it or some words to that effect. But there were interesting, very interesting comments from uh, Lou Barbs and Sue Gardner, who both have worked in domestic abuse organisations. And I thought it was worth a read and it made me really sit and think about the situation and the fact that once you're in that an abusive relationship, people don't escape. Yes, I think the story has been incredibly well researched and the only reason for bringing Rob back into this is to demonstrate the long-term pernicious effect of this sort of abuse. You know that I've been saying that I, I didn't actually think it was a good idea for us to actually hear Rob again because it would be too much like replaying old hits. Mm. And we've only heard a little bit of Rob as it is and that took place in a neutral venue. It's not like Rob has returned to the village. No. So it... In my view, it could have been worse. None of that is to say that I didn't think that the story should continue to be explored. But Rob is, as I've said several times before, the real Rob or the, the Rob that is doing the damage is the one inside Helen's head yeah. rather than the flesh and blood person down in Hampshire. Yeah, no, uh, I completely agree. Our next call is from Sarah, and this is one where I'm afraid that the audio is a bit crackly, but I think that we can understand and hear most of what Sarah's got to say. Hiya, it's Sarah. Just thinking about Reggie, really. When we're going to be talking about Lily, I don't really understand, well, I guess why we're not talking about Lily, but I'd kind of hoped that Elizabeth would have told Freddie that if he doesn't want the gig, then maybe his sister does. Here's hoping, hi. Anyway, I hope you're all doing well, and um, we'll listen to Helen's story on it, aren't we? Um, It's a tough listen. Okay, bye. Yeah, I agree with her. I mean, why isn't Elizabeth being... Elizabeth's been a bit whiny around Freddie, so we know where Freddie gets his whininess from. But, I mean, why isn't she saying, look, if you're not interested, Lily is doing this course and maybe we should be planning to make her the general manager? I think that Elizabeth has got two hang-ups around all of this. The first is that she has been running Lower Loxley for a very long time. She became Nigel's business manager well before they got married Mm. and it was as a result of their working relationship that they got so close and ended up getting married much to uh, Julia Pargeter's chagrin (laughs) and then the second thing is that Nigel's will left Lower Loxley to Freddie subject to the trust arrangements and I think that Elizabeth isn't willing to look around and actually see that maybe Nigel got it wrong. I'm not sure she could do very much to change the terms of the will, but I guess one possibility would be to persuade Freddie to give Lower Loxley to Lily in exchange for something, because otherwise we'll end up with a situation where they'll realise that Lily is the only person capable of managing it, but the ownership situation will make all that incredibly unstable. Yeah, indeed. And many houses, chateaus, are run by a person whilst being owned by others. I think Freddie's inability to get to grips with the fact that he needs to study, he needs to know how business works. If he was an accountant, for example, he would be in a good position to be in a management role. 
but he isn't an accountant. He isn't anything. He hasn't done any studies to help him in that, to take up a role, whereas Lily can. So he could still be the owner of Lower Loxley. He could still have a, a CEO role, but to have leave the day-to-day running to Lily would be a much more sensible thing. And I don't know why Elizabeth can't see it, but obviously you've got, you can see reasons, but just yes, irritating. Freddie is just very, very bad at any sort of academic learning. I'm not one to quickly jump to medical diagnoses for all these sorts of things, but I suppose there is a possibility. So one possibility is that he's been, that he's an undiagnosed dyslexic and that that's what he's struggling with. His preferred activities like DJing, I think, I think where dyslexia is not a problem at all. So mm. it's possible that he may subsequently be dis- it may be discovered what the problem is. And I would have thought that management trainee at Casey Meets would have been a, a possible area where it would be realised that he's brighter than his uh, his performance yeah. shows. Though at times I'm not sure that he is that bright, and and maybe it would be sorted out. But that's me randomly punting on, on an idea and as I said I'm not too keen on jumping to medical diagnoses. No and it's hard people. to say isn't it uh, because we don't know really. I mean he, he went to the cathedral school, he did his A-levels with help. He had maths help didn't he at one stage from East... Ifty. Ifty, that's it. And But I just think he's got a very, as we said last week, I think, a very young attitude. He's not, he's like a petulant teenager. He's not a 22-year-old. So um, he will, I'm sure like many children or young people have struggled at school he'll find his niche it's just about giving himself those opportunities and I agree with you working for Vince Casey I mean still cross about the way he turned that job down and that just kind of sums up how Freddie is petulant youth but I think globetrotting Richard later on says something about it so we can discuss that more later okay well let's move on to Martin who has been out and about with his dog Finn again Hello, it's Martin in Sheffield here. We're just on our Tuesday morning walk with Finn. So I just wanted to follow up on this lease situation with Helen. I'm very concerned that Lee might turn out to be a bit of a somebody who flies off the handle at short notice and I think Helen might be well advised to consider whether he's the right sort of person for her. She's had enough grief in her life and I just wonder whether Lee's actually uh, the right man. We're not really sure why he and his wife split up. He says it's for certain reasons, but... Maybe he's got a kind of short fuse there. That's something that you need to watch out for. So it's just a thought. Anyway, thanks very much. See you soon. Lee is, of course, a karate instructor. And impulse control, self-control, is a very important part of martial arts in general and certainly in terms of being able to teach martial arts. So if he does have a habit of flying off the handle when provoked, I do think that that would have shown up and he would have not been able to proceed as a, a martial arts coach or indeed a, a physiotherapist. So I'm not sure that he's the problem here. No, I disagree with Martin intensely. I think Lee is somebody who's shown the patience of a saint and has been pushed to a limit by a situation out of his control. He's been on Helen's side. He's been even-tempered. He's accepted all Helen's petulance, herb, and she treats him so dismissively like a little boy, one of her boys. And I think he's been pushed to a limit because his passion, his job, he's a passionate person about his job and always has been, you know, the physiotherapy and dealing with the people, the people side of it. I think he's excellent. So, uh, no, I agree. I disagree with Martin. So there you go. 
Yes, I think Lee's main fault is that he is far too easily led and he just allows Helen to drag him around wherever she wants and, of course, he allowed Tom to get yeah. him into this really stupid situation. And we really we don't know what actually happened. We've had Lee's account and we've had the versions from, I think, indirectly from Miles and directly from Rob and we haven't really worked out what actually happened down there oh, and that's all part of rob's thing he's in our heads too he absolutely is <laughs> but of course they're all in our heads and no. really nowhere else well no but that's what makes it all such good fun <laughs> it is indeed shall we move on to our next call and this is from Catherine. Hi, it's Catherine. I've had a brainwave about Grey Gables. As you know, the Grey Gables renovation is preoccupying me. The fact that it's going on so long, that Ardil's doing it and we don't actually know what he's doing, the bench, etc. Anyway, today's point is, what has happened to the contractors working at Grey Gables? There must be loads of them. Surely their parking is driving Jim mad. And also, back in the day, Tracy Horobin would have been all over that, wouldn't she? Lie, the young men were suitable for her. No one seems to be employed in it. The coffee shop, the cafe, the shop. No one's having any benefits. They're not down the pub being annoying, smashing stuff up. Well, that's a bit of a stereotype, isn't it? But, you know, that would be a great storyline. So what has happened to the builders working at Grey Gables? Are they staying in a Premier Inn at Felpersham or Borchester? And why has no one heard of them at all? It's just totally mysterious. Apart from that, I'm loving Dad of the Farm Manager getting cross with everybody and really sorting shit out. I don't think she'll get together with Brian. I still think Brian will get together with, oh, what's that, uh, Joy. I think that would be a fantastic combination and drive Kate mad. Bye. <laughs> Let's start with Grey Gables and the contractors. I don't know how many people there are working there. I think that Catherine is right that it's odd that we've heard nothing from them mm. at all. Now, if you were based in Borchester, then you would go to Grey Gables. It would take you about 10 minutes to get to Grey Gables from yeah. Borchester, and you wouldn't go through the village. So I don't think there would be issues around parking because there's plenty of places to park on the grounds of Grey Gables. The one thing that I think you would do is get out at lunchtime and have a brisk walk into the village. It's probably about a 10-minute walk to the shop and buy stuff at the shop. Yeah. So I would have thought that there would have been possibly quite positive comments about the business that they're doing with the people working at Grey Gables. Yeah. But as Catherine said, we've heard nothing at all about any of it. No, indeed. And if, fully enough, I think Catherine must have been in my head this week because I had the occasion to spend a day in a large city nearby with lots of building work going on. And I, I went and found myself a little small, a small cafe restaurant to have a bite to eat at lunchtime. And in fact, there were dozens and dozens of building electric, electrical contractors and all having the same uh, little bistro-y lunch. And I thought, that is really interesting. If there's building work going on, all these restaurants and things must benefit so what happens to them afterwards and so same thing really very interesting now let's get on to that next little little thing that she threw in at the end brian and joy what do you think Stephen? i think that everybody keeps wanting to batch brian with somebody or other yeah. i'm glad that they've given up on the brian and stella front yeah. because quite apart from anything else that, that would have been incredibly boring but stella i think we'll catch a bit more later on stella has gone her own way and Brian and Joy, they don't really have anything in common. I really can't see it. 
I think she's a kind woman and she comes across as kindly, busybodily kindly quite often, as she did with Helen and Lee when they became neighbours. But yeah, I think it's a, an interesting uh, contrast. But no, I don't, I don't see Brian going and finding another, another wife, another partner, another, maybe a bit of fun somewhere, but nothing serious. I don't think he could, it's too soon and... I think he says of an age now where he might just accept that he can enjoy favours without commitment. Yes, I mean, he might get lonely from time to time, but that doesn't mean that he has to marry anybody. No, and indeed. he has got family all around him in the village, uh, or at least they were all around him. He's now moved to Blossom Hill Cottage. Yeah. He's Actually, he's probably nearer to the contractors working at Grey Gables <laughs> than he is to uh, any of his family at the moment. Yes. Well, it's not uh, nowhere's very far, is it? No, and it certainly seems that Alice at least keeps popping around to keep an eye on him. Yeah, much to his uh, irritation, I think. But... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Now, we've heard four calls so far, and the best and easiest way for you to record a message or plot prediction is to go to www.speakpipe.com slash dumptydum, and don't forget that's a T in the middle. And you'll also find a link to that in the show notes. Or you can send us a voice note via WhatsApp on plus four four seven nine five seven one six seven six nine six try to keep your call to a maximum of two minutes well in fact you have to keep your call to a maximum of two minutes and bear in mind you need to be at least 18 to take part and we need your help there are three things you can do first of all if you haven't already hit the subscribe button on apple podcasts or whichever podcast streamer you use please if you haven't done it do it right now secondly give us a review it would be hugely appreciated, especially if it's on Apple Podcasts, because those are the ones that really affect our rankings in the podcast listings. And of course, a five-star review always goes down well. Finally, the third thing is that you could consider becoming a Patreon. Patreon is a way of contributing to the running costs of your favourite podcast. If you go to patreon.com and search for Dama T Dama, we'd be delighted to have your support. Now, normally at this point, we would ask you to send us a Dumpty Dum. But we've decided that for future podcasts, we're going to begin and end each week with the wonderful rendition of Barrick Green that we recorded at the Birmingham Mashup. But on behalf of the whole Dumpty Dum team, 
I'd like to thank everybody who has been sending in Dumpty Dums over the last 10 years. Indeed, thank you. We've had some wonderful uh, renditions of Barwick Green, but it's time to move on and change things slightly. Now, last week, we made an appeal for people who might be able to help out in extremis editing. We've had at least three people uh, contact us, and so we're working on that one. But thank you very much for those people who volunteered. Now, this week, instead of Stephen's two-minute histories, we're going to have a two-minute explainer. You're good at those, aren't you, Stephen? Giving the factual background to a current storyline. And this week's explainer is all about no-till drilling. Here is a two-minute explainer on no-till drills. Using traditional practices... Planting a field with a crop takes four passes with a tractor. First the field is ploughed, then it's harrowed, usually twice, and finally it's planted with seed, using a seed drill. A no-till drill only takes a single pass. It cuts narrow grooves in the soil at the ideal planting height and sows the seed. What are the advantages and disadvantages of this approach? Firstly, it preserves soil structure. Only in the last few decades has it been recognised that undisturbed soil is hugely beneficial to plant growth, holding water and nutrients more effectively and allowing earthworms to flourish and aerate the soil. Plants simply grow better. Secondly, it's better economically. A no-till drill requires a bigger tractor. A three-metre drill needs around 220 horsepower, compared to around 125 horsepower for ploughing, harrowing and drilling the broken soil. But because it only makes a single pass, it uses only about half the fuel overall. And it saves on labour. A farmer I spoke to at the Royal Three Counties show said that their drill had allowed him and his father to work their 120 hectare, that's a 300 acre, farm, with just the two of them, where previously they had needed another full-time employee. The disadvantage is, of course, the capital investment in the drill, and possibly in that new, more powerful tractor. The savings will pay for the investment within a few years, but only if you have the money. A three-metre drill should cover three hectares in an hour, or 30 in a day. A bigger drill will be proportionately more effective because the driver needs to make fewer turns, so a 6-metre drill might manage 8 hectares in an hour. It's hard to find out how much individual drills cost, but £150,000 possibly buys you a 12- or 14-metre drill. These are designed for vast American wheat and cornfields and might be overkill for the mere 2,500 acres or 1,000 hectares that Stella is working Well, thank you for that, Stephen. That was actually very interesting. And I could actually follow it because as uh, in a WhatsApp conversation in the week, <laughs> I said to you, I've got a cousin whose son-in-law owns with his father Dale's Drills in uh, North Lincolnshire. And I asked them, what was a drill? We were having dinner <laughs> last year. I found it very boring. It went on far too long in my mind. Maybe it was a glass of wine I had before. My mind shut down, but I actually followed that. So we think that Stella's bought an over big drill, do we, for the money? For the, the amount of money that she spent, I can't see how she can't have bought something which is just absolutely massive. And she might even have trouble getting it through the farm gates because even though these things fold up so that the width of the drill in operation isn't the width of the actual thing, it would just be huge and it would need an absolutely massive tractor. So mm -hmm. I, I'm really puzzled why 
it costs that much. I I think that the sort of drill that they would be using would be more in the thirty to thirty five thousand pounds range. But that's in, that's interesting because of course they do do a lot of contract work, and maybe that's the way that she's seeing it going towards contracting out. Even though they do the contracting, most of the contracting is in that thousand hectares that I said. Oh, right. it's the thousand acres of the estate. From, that they do with Borchester land, oh. and then there's 1,500 acres of home farm itself. But British fields aren't so big, and if you're doing 12 metres at a pass, then unless your field is an exact multiple of 12 metres or something pretty close to that, it's going to be quite I- inefficient when your last turn you've only got 7 metres to, left to till. So it, it just seems to me that the the numbers don't add up but maybe somebody knows why it would cost that much. I was wondering whether it might be that she'd had to buy a new tractor to go with it, but I would have thought that they would have said so. And I'm sure they would really have mentioned that, itself. yeah. Yeah, they've only ever talked about the drill, haven't they? Because they had a giant new tractor that they that Adam bought a few years ago because I remember Linda being very sniffy about the size of it and taking down hedges and things to get it into fields. Yes, that sounds like it would be the sort that would be able to pull a drill of a sensible size like six metres. Mm. And those are modern tractors are very clever. You can do the course once and you can record it to GPS. Yeah. Yeah. And then it will drive itself on exactly the same course without you needing to turn the steering wheel or, or touch the brakes or anything like that. Though I think it, you do tend to have people in the cab just to make sure that it's not <laughs> gone out of control. Well, fully enough, my local farmer has got a brand new tractor about six months ago and I had the opportunity to be shown around the cab. Well, I'll tell you what, it's got a full stereo system, air conditioning. The, as you say, the GPS is just unbelievable. So, yeah, I think, gosh, listen to us. We're going all very agricultural. You'd think we listened to a docudrama about agricultural life, didn't you, wouldn't you? You would indeed. Anyway, <laughs> let's get back to our calls. And we have, hooray, some first-time caller in Hello, this is Jack and Don. First time calling in from the Ring of Brogda on Orkney, having just watched a rather fantastic sunset and staying up to watch the sunrise in a few hours. Um, we're very impressed this last fortnight, actually, with the women of Ambridge, how they've stood up to men in particular and how they've sort of redefined themselves and forged new paths in the sense, particularly Helen, drawing the curtain on Rob in the sense that she felt it was something that she needed to do, telling her mum this week, and Stella in how she's letting the family know that she's not going to be sort of at their beck and call and going to suit whatever they want to do to the farm. She's going to have the interests of home farm at the centre of her job. We've also enjoyed the light-heartedness of Linda Snell, MBE, organising the village vet and gathering people to do that. Yes, and nice not to hear anything from little Lord Fauntleroy at Lower Loxley, <laughs> who's rather getting on our nerves of late, particularly in how he dismissed Vince's offer of working with Casey Meeks. Ungrateful little tyke. Anyway, hope to call in again in the not-too-distant future. Um, happy listening to all Dumpty Dummers and um, all in Ambridge. Bye. Bye-bye. That was a great call, and I do hope that you do call in again, call in regularly. And I really loved the sounds of the birds in the yeah. background. Orkney is a fantastic place. I've been to the Ring of Brodgar, and it was absolutely lovely. It's a ring of standing stones. Yeah. And, of course, at this time of year, it's so far north that it never really gets dark. The sun goes down, 
but then it comes up again just a few hours later and it's really not much more than twilight in right. between Ah, oh, very good. Yeah, really great. I've I've loved it this week with the soundtrack. I know you've cleaned up the calls, but we've had two two calls which had animal very fitting for thirty days of June or whatever it's called that Harrison's doing nature. I'm Thirty days wild. Oh yes, I'm used to Santa remembering these names of things. But we had Jen and the Chihuahuas. That's definitely a 1960s band. And then we had Jack and Dom and the Birds. So uh, uh, very good. But let's talk about their call. Very different view from the Ambridge Pony Club of Helen. Yes, I think that that was a more positive view of Helen than certainly I've <laughs> been having. Yes, she stood up to her parents, but she stood up about having done something that I still think was incredibly stupid. And she compounded stupidity on stupidity, going into a meeting, not just with her lawyer, but with the other side, without having told her lawyer that she had met Rob, was absolutely crazy, Mm. because that allows the other side to portray the meeting as something which clearly it wasn't. She wasn't trying to intimidate Rob, but it was very easy to interpret it that way if you are of ill will. Indeed, and then stropping out of that meeting at the same time. Yeah, just ridiculous. Very, very difficult. And then taking a call from Miles, which you yeah. should not have done. Definitely not. Uh, we've already talked about Freddie, but I love the fact that Jack and Dom called him Little Lord Fontleroy. Made me chortle. Um, the lightheartedness of Linda Snell, MBE. Indeed. <laughs> she, uh, yeah, it's been great. Uh, great to hear her and the Worse Than Fate Committee. Uh, her helping guiding Fallon and she's very good at those kind of conversations one-on-one with people she often has helped someone kind of clear their mind about something at the same time getting something out of it for herself yes and she did the same with Ben yeah indeed exactly the same so very good but I, I think it's very amusing that she's used Eddie to build her water feature but that was a good contrast with Helen Lee on Friday night it was. It did lighten the mood somewhat. Jumping between a multi-storey car park in Worcester and Ambridge Hall. Yeah, I, I think we needed that. I certainly needed it because I was upset by Helen and her attitude to Lee, not taking Lee into account at all. Listening to the car park scenes and all the rest of it. And then having silly Eddie and his silly malfunctioning water feature and then wheedling his way onto the committee with the ferrets. Yes, it was a bit, a bit too much ferret, I think, for any... Self, self, uh, yeah, too much for 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 us, for me, for uh, any well, c- certainly certainly for you, probably too much ferrets for anybody except for Andrea Twelves. Yes, exactly. So we've got another call to come, haven't we? We have two more calls. Oh yes, this, so we have. This one is Richard. Richard here, calling in from Stansted with a few sharp observations about Freddie. I don't think it's very realistic that Fred is going to be good enough a DJ to go internationally touring. But even if he were, he can't because he's an ex-con. And as of next year, Brits who want to go to Europe, to the EU, will need to go through the European Travel Information and Authorization System, the equivalent of the American visa waiver ETSA process in which you have to answer a question about whether you have any convictions and a drug dealing conviction which involved involved in being sent to prison will certainly mean that his visa application will be denied if he wants to work it'd be even harder but you know within Europe people pull their sovereignty and were allowed to live and work all over Europe without we got the right to it don't have those rights if you're British because we chose to have more sovereignty 
which makes it all the more amazing that he's not only snobbish, but he's stupidly snobbish because he should have concealed his derision at the idea of management trainee being a possibility for him in case he needs. No one else is going to offer him that because I don't think because he's an ex-con and, you know, he should be seizing the few opportunities he has. And if he's so snobbish, he should have said, thank you very much. I'll think about it, not bellowed with his horrible, childish, silly laughter. So... I don't think Fred is handling things very well, and I think his DJing may run into legal barriers that he hasn't thought of. Bye! That's an interesting point from Richard about the legal implications of the new uh, European sort of non-visa scheme that's going to be brought in. And I think that from Freddie's perspective, it's going to give him an excuse. So he's going to fail but he will always believe that he has failed not because he's totally useless which i think is probably the reality and not because he isn't trying hard enough which he certainly isn't but because somebody else has put a barrier up in the way so it's always the trustees wouldn't let me do this my mother wouldn't let me do this now it's going to be the european union wouldn't let me do this Mm. yeah i i agree i think rich has got a very good point i love that stupidly snobbish very good, very good description of uh, Freddie. And yeah, we've already said we didn't like the way he refused Casey Meat's offer in kindness, offered in kindness and helpfulness, I believe. Absolutely. I think he really is riding for a fall on all of this sort of stuff. He's, he's in our uh, slap list, I think, this week or on last week. We probably didn't hear from him this week at all. <laughs> no, but it's still, it's worth reminding ourselves just what's going on. Indeed. <laughs> now let's have our final call. And this one is from Brian. Hello all, it's Brian. Hope you're well. A couple of times this week where people have been put in their place and I was so pleased to hear it. Firstly, when Stella told Adam what she thought of him, let him be known that she knew exactly what he was doing and he had to slink away like the snake in the grass he was. That was very satisfying. And also when Lee finally snapped at Tom, not with both barrels that I think Tom deserves, but considering he has caused him such problems... Tom probably got away lightly, but it was good to know Lee can actually <laughs> let people know what's going on. And on the subject of Lee, I'm sure that's going to be a lot of the calls this week. I do feel sorry for him. Helen clearly hasn't even entered her head that Lee was anyway struggling or feeling under pressure and was quite surprised actually when he did let me know that he wasn't, he was struggling. I can't see that relationship lasting much longer. But uh, Helen seems to treat him more like the family dog than her partner. No, seems to worry about... I know she's got a lot on the plate, but doesn't seem to think it might affect him. And there we are, prospect of losing his job, access to his children. Not good. Oh, I'll leave it there. Nice to talk to you. I'll speak again soon. Bye. Brian's mention of Stella standing up to Kate reminds me we haven't really discussed Kate's solstice celebration in any way and none of our caller inners have done that either but how do you feel about a sound bath? I don't know what one is in fact uninterested uninterested sorry I don't I don't do alternative me I'm very strict straight laced. (laughs) You don't want to be surrounded by the gentle gonging of gongs and tinkling of whatever they use wind harps and things like that 
No, Stephen, I live in the middle of a small village surrounded by trees and hills and birds. The, the most raucous sound I hear is an occasional child on a moped and or a crow cawing, but I'm surrounded by birdsong all the time. And the gentle mowing of grass, although last week when we recorded, my neighbour started strimming, didn't he, halfway through? So that was, I've just seen him walk by with a ladder, so I'm worried what he's going to do next. <laughs> but no, I don't fancy a sound bath at all. What about you? Well, I think that it might be quite fun for a short while. I'm not so sure about the sage smudge sticks and the I'm not sure quite what the magic cocoa beans were I dread to as, think as part of all this. I'm not quite <laughs> sure how that ties into a to a British solstice ceremony because cocoa beans aren't exactly a native crop. No, not at all. I don't. I think about the um, the footprint getting something over here, the uh, carbon footprint for that for cocoa beans, isn't it? But in fact, the sage interested me. The mention of sage because I've been listening to uh, an audio book, and it's I, I love a bit of western, uh, the Virginian, and all those kind of things. And I've been listening to an audio book by Zane Grey called uh, Riders of the Purple Sage. Oh, sage is just wonderful. Yes, that's an absolute classic western. Yeah, uh, well, it is. And in fact, I listened to a podcast called Classic Tales Podcast. I've been listening to it for about as long as I've been listening to Dum Dee Dum. Probably found them around about the same time. And this American guy has does this podcast, and he really puts on. And Zane, the Zane Grey book is like twelve parts, and I'm on part two. <laughs> Well, I've just finished part two, so an hour long. So I've got at least 12 hours listening. So Right, so uh, what else did Brian have to say, our Bugsy Squires? Um, he sees the end of Helen and Lee's relationship, and I hope so. I think that's quite likely. Those scenes on Friday yeah. were definitely not from a, a healthy relationship, not from a relationship with the future. No. It's quite clear that the scales are falling from Lee's eyes around what Helen is like. It's not her fault, necessarily. But she definitely needs help, and I don't yeah. think that, I don't think it, it, that Lee deserves the pain that helping Helen through that would be there. She needs professional help. Yeah, she does need professional help, Susie. Interestingly enough, she was interviewed on Louisa Patikas was interviewed on Woman's Hour this week, so it's really worth going and looking at that interview. She was towards the end of the Woman's Hour thing. Released on the 20th of June. So it dates, it's on Woman's Hour from the 20th of June. It's towards the end of the, of the Woman's Hour programme. And Louisa Patikas talks about playing the role of Helen, the difference between the research that she did playing the original part of the story and the follow-on part of the story. Very, very interesting. Of course, she didn't reveal anything where it, the story was going because she can't. But it was an extremely interesting interview, I found. Yes, they, as I said earlier, they've really researched the story well and I know that she's been talking to real victims of yeah. this sort of behaviour to understand not just what it was like at the time but now far more the long-term effect. Indeed. Right, I think that's that's all our calls, isn't it? Uh, yes. So you can send us an email if you prefer or if you visit the dumptydum.com website and click the contact us tab at the top of the page, please keep them brief up to a maximum of 250 words. And this week we had one email from Marie. Hi Dumpty Dum presenters and all Dumpty Dummers. It's Marie from Winchester. Hope you're all keeping well and sorry I've been off the Dumpty Dum grid for a while and have been behind with episodes. But I've caught up now and I have certainly enjoyed the plotline developments. I know everyone loves Stella, but I find her rude and pushy even if she is good at her job. Although to spend £150,000 without a signed-off purchase order is completely unprofessional. Freddy is living in cloud cuckoo land with his DJ dreams. 
A wonderful side hustle, but not a life career, surely. I do hope Lily can be gifted the inheritance, as he is incredibly ungrateful about the whole business. Lee and Tom. Oh my, what a pair. Mitchell brothers, they certainly are not. But Helen, why oh why would she go and meet Rob? Made great listening, though, and loved the extra episode. I think Pat is on the verge of a mental breakdown. I know only too well the emotional turmoil brought on by the love for your children. So well acted. Speak soon and lots of love. Oh, thank you, Marie, for that. I Marie's covered all the all the points that we've already talked about, apart from Pat. And I agree, Pat is a woman living on the edge there. Certainly the way that Pat reacted when she learned that Helen had been to see Rob yeah. was very, very strong. And her voice was was just tortured. Absolutely tortured and, and on the verge of hysteria. Tony, I felt, had dealt with it very well because he's not used to uh, having to deal with Pat in, a, in an upset way. She's often firm and shouty about things or opposed to his view. But no, this was somebody who was really, really, wonder- and as Maria said, fantastic acting. Yes, and Pat is obviously still torn by the guilt of having totally failed to understand yeah. what was going on with Rob. Indeed. Now, one thing I, I'm afraid I have to disagree with Marie on is Stella. Marie finds Stella rude and pushy and also says that it was unprofessional for her to spend £150,000 without a signed off purchase order. If there was any unprofessionalness around, it would be in not making it clear what Stella was and was not able to spend money on. She was given authority to run the farm for the best interests of the partnership and she saw buying a deeply discounted, apparently, drill, though, as I've said, that still sounds an awful <laughs> lot of money for a drill for an English farm. And if she had was given the ability to spend that money and that was a mistake, then the mistake was made by the partnership, not by Stella. Yeah, and I agree. I, I mean, I've, I like the uh, character of Stella. I feel that she's a positive, firm person. She has her own views. She's a professional. But she's passionate about a farm the size of home farm. She's said that, that she wants to carry it from. She wants these farms to remain in family hands. She doesn't want to everything to be bought up and be corporate. So, um, no, I, I disagree with Maria, uh, Marie on that as well, so... Sorry, Marie. So, let's hear what our social media gurus have been talking about on the Dumpty Dum Facebook page. And with his debut appearance, we have our Rob. Hello there, all. It's the other much nicer Rob with the social media roundup. And what a week to make my debut. It seemed like there was a miscalculation on when the 20,000th episode happened as the real cliffhanger was last Friday, when the long-awaited return of Nasty Rob took place. The fallout from that event was all over Facebook, so no surprise there then. Darcy Jorgensen commented from the other side of the Atlantic while everybody was undoubtedly shouting at their radios. Do not talk to him. Let attorneys talk to attorneys. Admittedly, this side of the pond, we may have been leaving it to lawyers, solicitors or barristers, but we knew what you meant. But then sanity prevailed and, oh, wait a minute, Darcy had to come back and say, let the solicitors deal with it. Thank you, Tony, for hearing my advice of last week. So surely by now, Helen would have learned her lesson. No more going on about getting in touch with Rob. So how come her Darcy had to come back yet again? Helen, I told you last week, shut the fluff up. Funny, my autocorrect always goes to duck. Anyway, given all the build-up and publicity and bonus programmes, we all wondered what had actually happened to Mr Titchener. 
Last we'd heard, he'd been wheeled off for an MRI, which we were all hoping would tell us which of the many rumours that had been flooded in Facebook was correct. But everything went strangely quiet, until Witherspoon had had enough. What the f... is going on with Rob, please? It's been three days now. These scriptwriters can squeeze the excitement out of everything, and I'm thinking that we'll be looking forward to a weekend reveal. Witherspoon also noted that the chat between Linda and Fallon was rather emotional in her reminiscences of Robert's life changes. He said, Depressing day in Ambridge. I think it's the stars of the path to Robert's demise. Benjamin Kevin replied, Yes, I thought that too. Some excellent foreshadowing and a brilliant scene. Another low point in a week of low points was pointed out by Bernadette Hawkes. She said, I'm seriously worried about Helen. First she avoids lunch. In my opinion, she could be sliding back into anorexia, as food is the only thing she can control. Secondly, her determination to beat Rob is both mad and dangerous. I'm not a Helen fan, but you do have to worry. Helen Blackburn voiced an opinion that I struggled to agree with when she said, Am I the only one who finds Stella absolutely obnoxious? I can't stand her. Katie Penfold replied, Personally, I like Stella and find Kate irritating in the extreme. In drama, as in life, nobody is universally liked or disliked. All part of life's rich tapestry. But the big surprise of the week was when it was finally mentioned that the Stella-Ruth-Pip triangle might have some mileage in it. Following a chat with Ruth about who she's met and who she might have been texting at high speed since she got back from Florence, Gillian Corrigan said, Was today the first real confirmation of Stella being gay? And while it has to be admitted that she was never actually said she was gay, the conversation left enough of us convinced that she was at least bisexual or pansexual, as Helen Blackburn had put it. On a lighter note, Pam Delay posted possibly the most difficult poll ever. You must listen to one out of... Yoko Ono screaming, Boris Johnson giving a Latin lesson, or a DJ Freddie P set. Setting fire to your own ears, sadly, wasn't an option. On a lighter note, Louise Lawton said that things are going to get exciting if Eddie organises the fate. Jean Bell replied, How many ferret activities will we be able to experience, and will there be some garden ornaments for sale? If there is much work involved, I guess Clary will be doing it. And that is it for this week. I look forward to another week of fun and follicks on the Dumpty Dum Facebook pages and hope to be in touch with all of you there. Be warned though, when the chat starts, you can be there for hours. Take care. Bye now. Thank you to Rob and to everyone who's posted their thoughts on the Dumpty Dum Facebook page. But now it's time to welcome the new members to that group. Yes, a very warm welcome to Marcos Lastra Castro. Yes, there we have it, one very select new member. And he's been very active since he became a member a few days ago. So thank you for joining the family, Mar Marcos. You'll also find us on Twitter under at Dumpty Dum. Make sure you include the Archers hashtag using the capital T and the A, which helps those using machine readers to enjoy any Archers-based tweets. That hashtag is also your gateway to the tweet-along that takes place alongside the daily episodes and really gets going for the Sunday omnibus. As well as at Dumpty Dum, we're both on Twitter. I can be found at at Wenlock House. And I'm at Jberto Sanguen. And now, let's turn to this week's gongs. Hello, it's Fry here. And now, on Dumpty Dum, it's time for Tweet of the Week. Hello, Jacqueline, Stephen, and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Purple Pumpkin here with a selection of Tweets of the Week. And my thanks as ever to Bernadette, Jen, and everyone else who tags at Dumpty Dum to make sure we all see the best ones. 
this week on Twitter, as well as the speculation about whether Stella will get together with Ruth Pip or the newly reappeared Anna Tregoran, I've been enjoying photos from the small and select subset of the Archer's tweeters who also have camper vans. They've started their own hashtag, so if you're one of this group, do join in. Now to my medals for Tweets of the Week. All from regular contributors, I'm delighted to say. In bronze position, it's Patricia at Olympians. You don't have a job, Harrison. You did join the police force, but they're waiting for you to start policing. The silver medal goes to another frequent medalist, Ninesy. Pat, for the love of Joe Grundy's farmer's lung, how can you condone Tom's actions? And finally, the gold medal this week goes to Zandel at hinge underscore Zandel. Now we've got it confirmed about Stella, I hope they get her together with Ruth, as I've just realised that their couple name would be Struth. <laughs> well, that's it for this week. See you all on Twitter next time. Thank you for that, Theo, and congratulations to all who were mentioned in Purple Pumpkins Roundup, especially those medal winners. In bronze, Patricia at Olympians. In silver, Ninesy at Ninesy. And in gold, Zandel at Hinge underscore Zandel. Don't forget, we are also on Instagram as at Dumpty Dum, which is run by the very lovely Katie, so do follow us there. And include hashtag Dumpty Dum if you make an Instagram post which you think would be interesting for our Dumpty Dum family. And it remains just to say thank you, as ever, to all our contributors and to our social media supremos. As ever, we also thank Shambridge for her voices and our podcasting parents, Lucy V. Freeman and Royfield Brown. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.